Amen. Amen. Well, um, good morning, Antioch family. And uh, as I woke up this morning, uh, I was reminded of Lamentations 3. It says in verse 22 and 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This morning, aren't you glad that when you rolled out of bed, (laughs) whether you rolled out before the sunrise or afterwards, that you saw the sun rising, and it could be an indicator that today's a new day. Today, the mercies of God are new and fresh, and I want to encourage us that what's interesting about the sun is that people are drawn to the light, that the light is attractive. The light is what draws us, not the darkness, and the days we're living in are interesting and challenging and uncertain. But what is certain is that the light will always be on, that the light of God is shining, even in the midst of where we are right now as a nation and as a world. And our hope and prayer in these days is that for those that know Jesus, for those that, are, that know where the light comes from, the creator, the giver of light, that we'd be steadfast and press in. And that for those who don't know him, that they'd be drawn. That they'd be drawn to Jesus, drawn to the light, so they can have hope in peace. Well, just 10 days ago, I think that many of us were wrapping up our spring break plans, whether you stayed in Bryan College Station or headed out. Um, And uh, I know for us, we were on the way back from our spring break mission trip with all of our college students at Revive in Arkansas, had an incredible time. And as we were coming back on Friday, uh, the news started breaking about different things happening in our nation, and it was an interesting uh, last week for all of us, as you know, and um, what's, what's interesting is that as we look at the times we're in, uh, we, are, uh, we are in a transformational stage as a nation and globally, that this is an hour to where everything is changing and shaking and Every day, the news is different. Every day, there's different restrictions or different things asked of people. And I just want to encourage us that although everything, again, around us is maybe uncertain or changing, that God is unchanging, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and we can put our trust and hope and assurance in Him. But these days, we're being called to... (laughs) live differently. Uh, We're being called to live sacrificially in every area of life. And uh, as we know, the list seems endless. An endless list of things that are changing for us, whether you are a college student or uh, or family, or uh, if you're an empty nester, if you're a teenager or third grader, everything has just changed in the span of little over a week. And the changes are dramatic to our lives. And um, it's unknown for how many weeks or even months ahead these changes will be here. If you play sports, your season, your season is either uh, canceled or postponed. If you're at Texas A&M or Blinn, your classes have just moved online and uh, you no longer will be showing up with your classmates. If you have a job, you're either working from home, been asked to take uh, sick leave uh, for the next couple of weeks, Or unfortunately, for some of you, you may have lost your job this last week because the place where you work is having to close its doors. If you're a parent, now you have children 
that are in your care, not just in the evening, but the entire day. From the time the sun rises to even past beyond when it sets, you're in charge of your kids seven days a week. And the challenges that people are feeling, the stresses to uh, have meals prepared and to clean up the kitchen, the stresses of figuring out creative activities, what to do for parents, the, the constant cleaning and making sure that attitudes and hearts are remaining even killed is a challenge for many families in our church and across the nation. If you own a business, you're having to make difficult decisions maybe this weekend as to can you keep the payroll going? Can you keep your employees employed? What are you going to do about your whole business in what is God saying in that? There's difficult decisions ahead for our business owners. <clears throat> if you have health problems, whether you're young or you're old, you may be scared, you may be fearful, you may be nervous about the coronavirus or any other sickness that is happening in concern for your own health. There are many who have had necessary surgeries potentially postponed due to offices closing or hospitals saying we can't do those surgeries at this moment. All of us are having to take extra precautions in light of the coronavirus, and we're having to, to look at things through a different lens. And I just want to say, if, if you identify with one of those uh, areas, or if you identify with multiples, you need to know that you are not alone. You're not alone in this. You're not alone as a parent. You're not alone as a student. You're not alone as a kid, as an athlete. You're not a alone with what's happening in your education. You're not alone in your business. And I don't pretend to know how this will affect us as a people in the short term or in the long term. But be sure of this, it will affect all of us. We are in a moment in time in the story of God and in our nation's history, we're in a moment that will cause transformational change. My hope is more for the better, not for the worse. But we're in a moment, church, and we have to recognize the times that we are in. And just as an aside, for those uh, that, may, that may be thinking, hey, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone's overreacting. There may be ways, absolutely, where in our society, where there is an overreaction or a swinging of the pendulum, so to speak. But I would just encourage you, if you are more of the mindset of being maybe a little complacent or a little uh, apathetic about everything going around and not really wanting to do social distancing, not really on board with the different things that are being asked of us from our government leaders and community leaders, I would just share this scripture with you. Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. As believers, as Christians, we are called to not only look to our own interests, but to look to the interest of others, be it family or friends or others that we care about, even our neighbors that we maybe we have never met before, and we may have the amazing opportunity to get to know them in these days, that we should be a people looking not only to our own interests, but also to the interest of others. And you see, in these days, as believers, we, we have the opportunity to demonstrate what does it look like to really look to the interest of others with compassion and love and mercy and understanding for those around us? And you know, when, when someone's going through something difficult, 
which many of you are, and some are not in that place yet, and you may not be. But for those that are experiencing something extremely difficult, um, people, what they don't need is they don't need you to try to fix them. Uh, People don't need you to necessarily correct them. Um, They don't need to be felt foolish when they have a concern or a real fear about something. No, our response as the people of God is to do what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 36, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I want to read that verse again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus was going through proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? We will oftentimes hear that phrasing. The most times we see it is in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, more than anywhere else. And this phrase, the kingdom, We've said before, the king is where the king, or the, the kingdom of God is where the king is. Another way to phrase it is <clears throat> the kingdom is God's reign. It's his reign. It's in and through Jesus. God is coming into the world, has come into the world, is coming into the world in order to establish his saving rule. First in the hearts of people, redeeming people, forgiving people, stomping out the enemy, releasing people from sin and death. And God is reigning. That is what Jesus came to proclaim, triumphing over sin and even death and gathering these people together in congregations known as the church. All over the world right now and all over our country in this hour, there are churches that are gathered, maybe not together in physical buildings, but they're gathered online. They're connecting with one another. They're maybe gathered in homes and Jesus came 2,000 years ago to establish his kingdom so that we, as the people of God, could gather the church and to continue on his mission. But we have to know and remember that Jesus did come once, but he is coming again. He will return a second time and complete the kingdom reign by establishing a new heaven and a new earth. But until that day, our calling And our charge as believers is to make sure that as many people as possible get to hear about the first coming. You see, we can't talk about the second coming if we haven't told people about the first coming. If we haven't told them about why Jesus really came. Now, some of you may be sitting there in your living rooms right now thinking, "Um, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this Jesus who heals the sick and proclaims the kingdom, which is this good news of hope and forgiveness of sins. I don't know this man, but I know that I carry weight. I know that I carry sin. I know that there's things I've done in my past that are bringing me down. I know in these days I feel hopeless and fearful and scared, and I'm not so sure what would happen if I died. I don't know what my life is going to look like, and I'm grasping for something to hold on to that is certain. If that's you, I want to offer you an invitation um, to invite Jesus into your heart right now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Did you know you can have that eternal life right here and right now? If, you're, if you have something in your heart saying, I, I want this Jesus, you can pray a simple prayer to invite him in your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the only one that can save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And that three days later, you rose from the grave. That you have the power to defeat the sin in my life and to take it away. And so, Jesus, would you come live inside of my heart? Would you come and wash me clean of everything I've done? And forgive me for all that I've done and said. And Jesus, would you come and now rule and reign in my life? Would you be the one that I listen to? Would you be the one that I submit my life to, that I ultimately follow and love? Jesus, I ask right now that you come live inside my heart and change me forever. In your name, amen. You can pray a simple prayer just like that. If you're not ready to receive the Lord right now, that's okay, but I want you to know that Jesus is available right now, an hour from now, tomorrow and next week. He's waiting with open arms. He's saying, anyone who wants to come to me, I won't hinder them. Let them come. Let people come to know the love and forgiveness of Jesus. But you know, Jesus in Matthew 9 was not only proclaiming the good news, he was healing the sick. And in the midst of them healing and sharing this good news of the kingdom of God, it says he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. The circumstances we are in make it challenging, but not impossible, to come to the aid of those that are in need. The needs we have as a family, as the Antioch family, and the needs of those around us in our neighborhoods, in our city. I was speaking to our staff this last week on a conference call, and we were talking, and I shared with them this illustration that I want to share with you that maybe to invite us in to maybe changing a little bit of the way that we think and the times we live in. You know, if you think about chess, I'm not a very good chess player. In fact, I nearly lost to my eight-year-old son the other night, so I've got work to do uh, in the days ahead. But if you think about a grandmaster chess player, typically, as I was reading, grandmaster chess players, they will think anywhere between 10 and 20 moves ahead. 10 and 20 moves ahead. Um, and when they are thinking about it, what they are doing is they are being proactive, not reactive. You see, someone who's really good at chess, they think several moves ahead, even though they have to respond to the moves that are happening right in front of them. They can't ignore what their opponent is doing, the moves their opponent is making, but it's not throwing them off. It's not distracting them. It's not deterring them. It's not discouraging them. You see, in these days, we need to be like Grandmaster Chess Players Church. We need to be thinking about three, four, five, six, seven moves ahead with our family, with our children's education. We need to be thinking ahead with our business or our place of employment. We need to be thinking ahead about what's going to happen in our society. How are things holistically transforming and changing day by day? We don't want to be caused of people that are only reacting we want to be people that are praying ahead, that are being proactive, that are thinking of the moves ahead, knowing that we can't make all those moves at once, but we're ready when we're able to. We're ready when the time comes. 
that's what we're doing as a staff. We would encourage you to do that in your family, if you're college students, in your place of work. Be thinking of several moves ahead so that we are ready, so that we as the church can respond and lead out the people in our community. But you see, in Matthew 9, not only did it share that Jesus was proclaiming the good news, he was healing the sick, he had compassion on them as people like sheep without a shepherd. But then he goes on in verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, and this is a teachable moment Jesus had for them, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, Jesus had compassion on them, but then his next thing he said to his disciples was, guys, the harvest is here. It's ready. The harvest is not lacking. It's the laborers that are lacking. That's what we need to pray for. So church, in this hour, we need to pray for the laborers. Now it's going to look different. What's interesting at this time, and just a couple weeks ago, we took a bunch of college students to Arkansas to go share the gospel with people and pray for the sick and have incredible stories out of that week there. But just two weeks ago, that's what we were doing, and now we're in the days of saying, what does it need to look like in order for us to be laborers to go into the harvest? It's going to look a little different, but it doesn't mean that God's pushing pause or time out on the harvest. The harvest is here. The harvest isn't just coming later. I believe that there will be an increase of harvest of people coming to the Lord and surrendering their lives to Jesus. But the hour is now, too, for us to be people that pray earnestly and to press in and to ask God for the creativity to know, Lord, how can we be laborers in these days? How can we be laborers even at a distance? And although we may not be able to physically go and shake the hands of our neighbors or hang out with them at the moment, I would encourage us that although we are being asked to pull back in many ways from our places of work, from the university, from schools, pull back even from interacting with people, with social distancing, although we're being asked to pull back physically, by no means do we pull back spiritually. We're called to press in in these days. I want to encourage us. We have an opportunity like never before to press in to God, to press into prayer. We have an opportunity to pray like never before, to actually learn. And for some of us, we don't pray a whole lot. But what if you took time this week and you said, you know what? I'm just going to map out Sunday through Saturday, and I'm going to put one bullet point for each day of the week. And I'm going to pray that one thing every day this week. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone who doesn't know the Lord. You want to pray for them. Maybe it's for your place of employment. Maybe it's for something that God puts in your heart for another nation or something here. But what if you just said, you know, for the next seven days, I'm going to put a bullet point every single day. I'm going to pray for something. I'm going to press into prayer, and I'm going to go back to that next Monday and the next Monday. And over time as you pray, you're going to see the breakthrough. And I encourage you to write down what you pray because what we want to do is to be a people to say, you know what, I'm going to look back at what we sowed in prayer and to see the harvest. Because God is a God of the harvest. We get to press in to the Bible. Uh, I was watching something and they were sharing that over 6 million people have latched on to this idea that, hey, 2020 is the year of the Bible. Uh, I would just encourage you, I think every year should be the year of the Bible. But I'm encouraged that so many people for the first time are reading the Bible, the Word of God. What an amazing opportunity to start reading the Bible. As Chris shared earlier, 
We're going through the 24 chapters of Luke leading up to Good Friday. We're on chapter 6 today. And so we want to encourage you to jump in with us and start reading through Luke with us as an entire church family. You have a chance to press into the Bible. You can press into family. Just yesterday, we were playing the board game Catan. I don't know if you're, if you're a Catan board game person, but it was so fun because we played several different times with my kids, and, um, and Graham, my eight-year-old, has never won at Catan until last night. And he won, and he was overjoyed doing a little Graham jig, and he pulled up his cards, and he was like, Dad, I won. We took a picture to capture it, put it in the family photo book. We want to celebrate that. And my kids are loving getting just more time with family. Now, it's going to be interesting in the days ahead, but I want to encourage us to press into family. Don't pull back. Don't just allow the devices to be the parents. You be the parents. Press into your children. Be creative. Do fun activities. Play card games. Teach them how to play things. Maybe you never taught them. Throw the baseball. Kick the soccer ball around. Maybe not inside the house. Maybe outside. But think of ways to press into the family. What an incredible opportunity we have with every night of the week just being opened up, every weekend being free now. You have every weekend, every night of the week, free and clear off the schedule because you're not allowed to meet with people to actually spend time with your family. I couldn't encourage you to do that enough. In fact, my family, we're doing a Zoom call in a couple days with my extended family, the Hardy family. We're going to do a Zoom call and check in and hang out. And so we're finding new ways to connect with our extended family, even though they maybe don't live here. The last one I want to say is that we have the opportunity to press in to community. Doesn't it feel good (laughs) to have someone shoot you a text randomly in the morning and say, hey, how are you doing? Aren't you encouraged when someone takes time and their morning time of the Lord, their devotional time, and they wait on God and they ask God, God, give me a scripture that's going to encourage this person. And then they send that to you in a voice memo. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that feeding the soul? We have the opportunity right now to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. You have the opportunity right now to ask how people are really doing, to get on the phone, to process, to talk, to form group me's in different ways to communicate with people. I can't encourage you enough. This is an amazing hour to press into community. You don't have to be there physically present. You can press in to the hearts with people. But overall, at times, what do we... What, what do we do in these days, right? Like, does the Bible actually speak into what do we do in these days when there's so much fear, uncertainty, anxiety, question marks looming for every one of us about a myriad of things? I was encouraged. The Lord highlighted uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, I love what it starts out with. Rejoice. Another way to say that is to be glad, meaning to delight in God's grace. Be glad that God is full of grace. Be Glad that we get to experience him. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When he says it twice, that actually means we should probably do it. But then in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, what does that mean, reasonableness? Well, I, 
I looked it up in the Amplified Bible. If you don't know the Amplified, just takes multiple translations and kind of puts every possible translation of the word in that verse. And I love what it said here. It said, let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. I want to read that again. Let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance, and your patience, let those things be known to all people. What's the admonition, church? What we need to be oozing out, what we need to be demonstrating is that. There are people that are fearful and don't have the hope of Jesus. There are people that are uncertain um, that don't know where to look or what to hold on to or looking for something. And you have it. You have it inside of your heart. You have the living God present with you. We are being called upon in these days to demonstrate these qualities. And how do we get these? Do we just manufacture them? No. It comes from our devotion to the Lord. It comes from us worshiping the Lord. And from that place, what flows out of us is mercy and grace. It comes from us reading the Word of God, and what flows out of us is truth and life and hope. It comes from us praying to God, and what comes out of us is hope and perspective and to hear God for people and to encourage them. You see, what we put in, what we sow in every day, will be seen and felt by others. And God is challenging us again as a people to let that be the thing that comes out of us. So what an incredible opportunity to show the nature of God to people all around us. But this verse goes on. It says in verse 6, in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious. <laughs> well, that's easy to say and harder to do these days, I would argue. And you can say to yourself, oh, Tyler, don't be anxious. You can say on the phone to your parents, mom, dad, don't be anxious. It's going to be okay. But that probably won't do the trick just to tell someone to don't do something. You see, it's not just about saying don't be anxious. We actually have to look at it differently. Um, it's not just telling someone not to do something. We have to input something else to push that out. You have to have the anxiousness leave. And so how do we do that? Well, um, it says that, uh, that the second part of verse 6, it says, do not be anxious, but what? But by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. I think many of us know what prayer is. It's literally talking to God, hearing from God. Supplication, a big word. It just means to plead humbly. To plead humbly humbly, to be a people to say, we're not going to be anxious, but when we do feel anxious, what do we do? What is our response? Our response is to pray to God. Our response is to plead humbly with the Lord and to have thanksgiving for what we have. Instead of us looking at in these days everything that we don't have, church, we have to look at what's right in front of us. Children in your home, roommates you're hanging out with, the opportunity to read to be refreshed. Some of us always complain about being busy. Guess what? You're not busy anymore. <laughs> You're probably bored. 
Some of us are stressed out about the scheduling of life. Guess what? It just got really simple. And I don't know everything that's happening. I don't know why it's all happening. But our response is the people to say, if this is the hour we live in, how will we press into God in a fresh way? And we're being told by prayer, by supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Which means he wants to hear your heart. He wants to know how you're doing. And what is the result? What is the result of actually coming before the Lord and giving him our anxieties about everything? Well, Paul writes it in verse 7. He says, after we pray and give thanks, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, God is faithful. He's faithful in these days to take our cares. He is faithful in these days to take our anxieties. He's faithful to give us peace in exchange. But you've got to give it to Him. And this isn't a logical peace. It's not a scientific peace. It's not a material peace or a financial peace. Actually, this is the peace of God which will guard your hearts and minds. I want to encourage us as a church this week, just one homework assignment. Memorize Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Parents, I want to encourage you, get with your kids, memorize it. Make it part of your breakfast routine. We're going to memorize Philippians 4, 4 through 7 because church, we need to input the Word of God in these days. This needs to be the guiding force, not the next news headline, not the next update on the coronavirus. It's helpful to be informed, but that cannot guide our mornings and guide our days. He must guide our mornings and guide our days. He must be the one leading us. Remember when God sent the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send you the Spirit. He will lead and guide you into all truth. And here we have right now that if we will pray, if we will connect with God, he is promising to deliver to us the peace of God what surpasses all understanding. So right now, where you're at, whether you're with others or by yourself, if you're with a few people, I want to encourage you, you guys get up together right now. You can hold hands, put an arm around one another. There's something powerful, powerful, even when two or three are gathered. But stand shoulder to shoulder, connect with one another, and I want you to pray the peace of God over each other. I'm going to pray it over us as well. I just want you to receive the peace of God this morning. So, Lord, we ask for every heart that's watching right now, for every person in every bedroom, in every living room, in every porch. Right now, Lord, whether we are extremely fearful or not bothered much at all, Either way, Lord, we all need the peace of God in this hour. And so, Lord, I pray for the peace of God to come upon every single person right now in the name of Jesus. 
Spirit of living God, we just pray that the peace would come invade every heart and every mind because the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, what does it do? It's here to guard our hearts and guard our minds. So Lord, we're asking that you would be our shield. We're asking that you would be our protector. We're asking you would guard our hearts, even the emotions, how we swing from left to right. Lord, that we could trust you in these days. So Lord, we pray the peace of God to rest on not just individuals, but on households this morning. In Jesus' name.